I don't really do that stuff that he said. That's, I don't know who paid him to say that, but I will find out. It was Pat? Okay. All right. Praise God. Um, I want to take a moment to, uh, before I preach tonight, to number one, acknowledge the angel of this house, Pastor Gary and the House of the Rock Church, who makes it possible for us who are Brooklyn Team Challenge to have church tonight in Far Rockaway only by the heart of the man of God of this house. Some of you guys pastor. He's my pastor, too. Um, and I just wanted to say wherever you are, Pastor, bless you and thank you for your, 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 your heart for the people of God. You, you have a heart, a true, genuine heart for the people of God. And I just wanted to bless you before I said anything else up here behind your pulpit. Amen? Amen. And, of course, my friend Pastor Charles here who helps to work with me with the men and all the leadership and everybody in their respectable places. It's just my way of etiquette when I step to a pulpit to acknowledge those that make the church happen. It's not like about me. It's about everybody being here because I did it in an empty room, but I'm glad I'm not doing that tonight. Amen. And I want to take you before I preach into a scene at a church. I want to take you in or seen at a church, a little behind the scenes scene, and uh, we'll talk about what happens here in a minute. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give these guys. Let's give these guys. 
you were in for the debut of the new Brooklyn Teen Challenge, not ready for primetime players, amen. <laughs> Come on, give them another hand, they did great. While you're at it, give a hand for the worship team, hallelujah. And give a hand for the person who is worshiping next to you while you were at it, why don't you? Amen, amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, as you can see from the scripture, I'm going to preach from Matthew chapter 11, um, specifically within verses 28 to 30, but I'm going to kind of bookend them in so that we have proper context for the text. Can I move this down? No, it's okay. It's like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I really need to. I can't see good. Yeah, yeah. People. <laughs> Forgive me. I like to have fun in church. It's not. <sighs> Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, and I'm going to read it into your hearing. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. When you have it, say amen. amen. And if you don't have it, say, hold up, wait a minute. No one? Everybody's got it? All right, that's good. And the Bible says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? Is anybody here tired? Can I see your hands, please? I don't want to feel so alone. Yeah. Tired of just... <laughs> making ends meet, tired of chasing after happiness, but never being satisfied. I ask again, is there anybody here tired, weary, heavy laden, burdened down, tired of COVID-19 and tired of face masks and social distancing and racial injustice and riots and rallies and political chaos, tired of six feet of separation, unemployment, no place for enjoyment, tired of giving and not receiving, tired of trying to find real purpose and tired of trying to understand what is really important in my life, tired of being scared because you do not know what tomorrow brings. Anybody tired, tired of praying and waiting on the Lord, tired of sermons and tired being tired. Well, if you're tired in the ways like I just spoke of, then this message tonight is for us. Mm -hmm. But before I get into that text, those 28 to 30, um, the, the, what I call this tonight is uh, you are messing with your blessing by stressing instead of resting. 
I told my, my friend back there that it was Pentecostally correct to present to you the title to my sermon. You're messing with your blessing by stress instead of resting. Say that to your neighbor three times. <laughs> Sound like they speaking in tongues. Hallelujah, the spirit is moving. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You got you got to get it on a rewind. <laughs> Buy the tape. <laughs> okay. Listen. I got I, I, what I what I want to do cuz I, I love to teach and I I'd love to make sure that the, as the Lord uses me that we get a, a proper understanding of this text, especially places in the Bible where you're kind of familiar with and oh, I know that by memory. I like to read open your minds to the possibilities that they might have just been a little bit more just below the place where you last looked at it and thought you had it all down pat. And I kind of enjoy myself doing that. So join me at your own risk. What I want to do is that I want to talk about a couple of statements from Jesus prior to this statement from 28 to 30. They seem kind of difficult, but we need to address them so that they can provide the right context for this message within those few verses. Context, the text before and after the text to make sure that it's not a pretext inside of that. Verse 25, then I'll take you to, back from 28, jump to 25. And it says that at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So what is Jesus saying here, this observation where you ask the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And so these questions came from that. What things is Jesus referring to? Why is God hiding them? Now, the previous verses give us some insight. Jesus has just condemned those people who rejected his invitation. He had lovingly reached out to the people in the city of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. They had seen him do miracles and they had heard his messages, but failed to recognize him and turn to him. They were wise in that in spite of what they saw and heard, they presumed to know better. This is the condition. They were prideful and their pride kept this good news, these things hidden because God is looking for the humble in heart. He is looking for the child-like, not the child-ish. God has a tendency of flipping the script on us when we think like the world. We usually think it's the wise and the learned who have the upper hand, who have the excess success, and who have the best path in life. And I'm not saying that having an education or great wealth is a limiting factor in coming to Christ, but we have to be humble in heart to receive him and to have his rule in our heart. Amen? Amen. 
Jesus is praising the Father here because his invitation doesn't require a particular spiritual IQ, attaining some special knowledge or some well-checked to-do list, but rather the humbling and trusting spirit of a child is all that is required. Because anything else you bring to the table can't get it for you anyway. It's like they're a gift. It is for by grace we have been saved through faith and that not of yourself so that no man can boast. But you have to come to the place where you have the humility necessary to step into the position to receive the salvation that God has had in store for you before the foundations of the earth. Jesus was saying that there's no barrier to God. When it comes to Jesus, I came here to remove the barrier. The hiddenness Jesus referring to is not imposed by God, but rather by their own internal deliberation of one question. And that question is before us each and every day. Will I yield to him? Will I get out of the way and let him have his way? Whichever way that way may be. Because I know a lot of the time God's way is painful. And I like the comfort of the easy way out. And I would think that if I come to God, everything would be like really chill and really cool. Because, you know, he's going to anoint me and he's going to appoint me and he's going to bless me and I'm going to have power. Yeah. That is, that is kind of like not the story that I saw. Like Jesus, when he submitted to God's will next, you know, it was like... But we want to follow Jesus. But no. <laughs> I didn't take my medication, so. Because they don't let us take it here while we're at the center. So. <laughs> Listen, having a relationship with the almighty God was not and is not about what one knows as much as who one knows, right? It, 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 it's not your aptitude, but it's your attitude that leads to your altitude with God. Because everything we know, like he knows like more. Like you can't play top that with God because he knows everything and what we think we know is like nothing in comparison. So it really just makes sense with the little bit we know to kind of trust the one that knows everything since he's on our side and kind of like just let him do. But no, no, what happens is the flesh starts to get in the way and fills us with enough pride to think that we can even question or even if you're like me, give God some directions. Tell him how this thing's supposed to work because he's all the way up there in heaven. He, you know. Like, I got to deal with this down here. And his point of view is kind of different. I'm, like, on the ground floor of this thing called life. See, verse 27 says, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him to. 
In this verse, Jesus highlights his authority as the son of God. This was a hugely blasphemous and threatening concept to the religious leaders within hearing of what Jesus was saying. But this claim highlights that Jesus has all the authority he needs behind his words. And his authority is not just over a house. It's not over a church. It's not over a state. It's not over a country. It's over everything. And it's over everyone. Nothing is excluded. Everything. Everything. The good thing about that is that when we belong to him, we become part of that everythingness. And it's all given to him by God, as he says, which was a real challenge, like I said, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people of that day for him to equate himself with the kind of power that only God, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob could have. We can know the father through the revelation of Jesus to us. Not just no facts about him, like my brother had said, I'm one to believe that it's great to know the word of God, but only if it leads you to know the God of the word or else all you got is words. God gave us his word so that we cannot get to know the word, but that through the word we can get to know him. Because everybody want to go to heaven for heaven's sake. I guess it's the mansion thing that he threw out there. I get it. But really, the purpose of heaven is God. I don't want to go to heaven if God ain't there. What's heaven going to be? It's God. It's not about Jesus came to get me into heaven. Do you know that he didn't? He didn't come to get you into heaven. He came to get you into God, the Father. That's where the problem was. As a matter of fact, a little later, I'm going to tell you that in Revelation, like the way it looks is like heaven come here. We don't go there. Anyway, I'm like, okay, pastor, get your pills. <laughs> we know that we can get to know him. Remember that it, that, that it says that except the son chose to reveal him, which is an exclusive statement, kind of like only them. But remember, he had just shared in Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. But the lack of revelation is more about the lack of humility on the hearer's part than something being kept from us. Remember, he who hath an ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord he's saying. He's saying it that anybody who wants to hear can hear, but only those who hath an ear to hear, who want to discern what God has to say about a situation. You see, really in my life, there are places in my life where I don't want to know what God has to say about stuff because I know he won't let me do it. Not y'all, me. I need prayer. I need. There's areas in my life that I'm aware of that I hope that I can like kind of pull behind a curtain until, you, you, you know, when, when that brother was here, one of the things they didn't realize is that everybody in the church that came to the church prior to that brother had come to encounter Jesus. And Jesus, it wasn't like just that brother. How many bags? This is a church full of bags, all covered by the blood. Every single one of us from here down, every single one of us needing the blood of Jesus, every single one of us, no greater than the other. 
in respective of the, it, it's not that we have titles or that we have it, it, positions. I'd rather look at them as levels of responsibility. Levels of responsibility is what it's about. It's not now I become the authority. No, now I become responsible before God for the work that he has given me to do amongst us as a body. Does that make sense? Yes? He, say, he says the, that even though the offer is open to everyone, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that here's another one. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But even though the offer is open, the requirements are not. The requirements are not open. The good news is that God is knowable, God is approachable, and that he is welcoming. But just as we don't get to define God, we also do not get to define the terms by which we approach him because he is God after all. And if he wants to set a prerequisite of a contrite heart and a confession of sin prior to coming into my presence and then only the acceptance of the completed work of my son on the cross on your behalf as the entrance fee to his presence, then so be it. For no man cometh unto the father but by me and that's God's choice. In the matter, I'm coming to the part where it gets to our verses. We come to God, it's through a humble spirit, as we talked about in verse 26, one that confesses his sin, that recognizes and embraces that Jesus has done for us on the cross in accepting the penalty for our sin, as I said, and submitting to his design for our lives. Now we're at verse 28. And he says, in this situation, now come to me. Here's that inclusive, all. Anybody in here worry, as I asked in the beginning? So that means you. All who are weary and burdened. I mean, li listen, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How do we get weary and burdened? Well, we got work to do. We got jobs and stuff. We got, we got, we got, we got, we got mentalities that keep on thinking of stuff that worry us, and we got people around us, and we got, we got pandemics, and we got systematic political crucifixions, and we got like a whole bunch of like stuff happening that can lead us to be this place where we need a break. The thing is, how do you spell relief? How do you spell relief? For some of us in the room, when it came to the point where we couldn't take it anymore, unfortunately, we hadn't developed the kind of coping skills that give us um, strategies for keeping ourselves psychologically and emotionally healthy. And so we turned to an external thing to try to fix an internal thing. And next thing we found out that we was like a runaway train and we couldn't stop. 
And then it became that it didn't matter that it was something bad that happened that made me go out and do that, but it was whatever was happening. It became a sunny day, and I need to go. It's too sunny to be sober. (laughs) And in the midst of this, God calls us exactly as we are at the time that worry and heavy laden becomes a reality. You see, the reality is, as the brother was coming here and he had the bags and he had the heavy ladenness, a lot of times, and I, I've been doing, like, like uh, I, I graduated, God, God bless me that I came through this program in 1999 and I completed in the year 2000. And I came back in 2017 for a tune-up because I lost my way. And I've been here for three years, and I know the way. And he is the way. And I'm not going to lose my focus this time. I've learned my lesson. Amen? And, and, And in the middle of this, what I've learned is to bring my reality to God. That bag of heavy burdens is exactly what the church is for. No, you do not leave your problems outside the door. You know why? Because when you come in here and you praise the Lord and you jump, jump, and you hallelujah and all of that, if you left them outside the door, it's probably to pick them up when you leave. Mm -hmm. You got them in the wrong place. You bring them in the house. And we, as a body, share the burden. Do you know that if one thing happens to one part of the body, the rest of the body just gets on deck and gets involved? Seriously, stump your toe. Your toe can't yell, so your mouth screams. Your toe can't cry, so your eyes start to water. Without even, the body's so gully for each other now. Yeah, I'll take, it takes care of itself. And we as a body, this is the come unto me, all you that burden and heavy laden. We came in here to find rest for our souls. Nobody came in here with less need for the rest God provides than the next person here. But one of the ways God has designed that we find that rest for the soul is within the hugs. Oh, we can't do that. Within the high. No, we can't do that. Within the smart. No, we can't just even see those. Huh? Um, just knowing then that we're here to. <laughs> just knowing then that we are here supposed to be hugging and high-fiving and loving on each other. We just can't because it's against the law, and so we're going to obey. <laughs> and we don't want them to raid us in here tonight. So. <laughs> Amen? Look, 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 look. There's a present and a future for this thing here. Let me get on with this and get out of your way, okay? Uh, there's, 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 there's this, come unto me, all you that are burdened, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In other words, the rest that he gives us is something that he has to give. But the only way we can get it is if we come to receive it as honest that we need it. We don't have to pretend that we got it all together because then Jesus don't got no job. We don't want him on unemployment. That that diminishes the work he doing on my mansion. Keep him employed, keep him working. (laughs) You see, 
This reality that he wants us to know within this text is this, that if you come to me burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You get that? But I want to tell you it ain't the rest you're thinking. We're not talking about the vacation in Cancun kind of rest. Yeah, we're not talking about the lay down on the couch on Sunday and just vegging out. No, because I can prove it. The next verse says, take my yoke upon you. <laughs> okay, come lay down your burdens and pick this one up. See, it's perpetual. You see, because the thing that's holding you down is the thing that's keeping you from doing the work that the Lord has for you. And so when he takes that off of you, it's so that you can move unencumbered by that so you can do your part in the yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me how I take the burdens. Because you're going to leave my presence and you're going to follow the great uh, commission and you're going to go and teach them all that I have taught you. And that's going to be your witness. And you're going to have power from the Holy Spirit to do it. Come, let me show you the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeping, light in the darkness. How? Because you have experienced it and it is real. Experience it and it is real. He says, learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And in that gentleness and that humble in heart, but isn't he gentle and humble in heart and strong and mighty? You see, what it is, especially for the men here, we think that gentle and humble means small and weak. But it takes more strength to be humble than it does to be prideful. All you got to do is let your flesh go and you got the pride going on. But to pull yourself into that place where you bring it into submission, that requires a strength. It's a humility that God himself incarnate in Christ did when he didn't count himself as equal to God but instead humbled himself and became a servant, humbled himself. Because you got to have power to humble. It means you've got something to bring into submission. If you don't got it, there's nothing to submit. So it's in this place of strength. He's different. And I think that our perspective has to see things through the eyes that Christ wants us to see them in. Amen? Amen. See, there is a present and a future in this text. In Revelations, this is what it says. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And we can take confidence in this promise that when we learn from him, see, his yoke is easy and his burden is light because he's not encumbered by the things on the earth. He's not carrying the burdens of the world because that will take away love from the father. 
He's not too caught up in the amount of, of, of position that he's getting or the amount of finances that he's saving here on earth because this is the truth of it. I think that that all can get stolen. It can get moth-eaten stuff and, and, and thieves can break in and get it. And it's temporal. No one's going to take, no, I don't care how much you save or where you stash it, you ain't taking it with you. I don't care how beautiful the car is that you're going to stop in because God blessed you with a beautiful car now. Only thing is that you got to clean it on Sunday and we don't see you in church no more. I hear you. We can take confidence in God's promise. We can look forward with hope and expectation that our troubles in these few short years of life that we have here are going to be over one day, and we will have eternity with Christ. Amen? All right. It's easy to fall back into our mindsets and our patterns that resemble a life without peace, without hope, without confidence, without rest. But we need to remember this good news is Jesus is not a fleeting emotion. He's not a one-time transaction, but something we can access all day, every day. Come unto me. Y'all, any moms in the house? How many times do you get your name called? Mom, 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 mom. Now, here's what happens. We hope that they grow up. And as they get older, they call less. As a matter of fact, we feel good about that because we've done our job and we've helped them to be responsible for their old life. But I want to tell you, I don't think that's the way it is with God. I think it's the opposite. I think that the more we grow in God, the longer that we've with him, that we come to the realization that we even need him more today than I needed him when I first came along. Because now I'm a greater enemy to hell because I got a couple of successes walking with the Lord under my belt. I got a couple of testimonies to his faithfulness. I got a couple of healings that he done did for me. I got some financial breakthroughs that God has done. I got some lost loved ones saved and now I'm a worse threat to him and so the enemy's going to come at me just a little bit stronger but I have to get just a little bit closer and just stay. Come, 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 come. Wear it out. Wear out your welcome. Just come. Three, four, five, six times a day. Just come. He can handle it. Keep bringing bags of burden. You keep going back to the van. Keep bringing another bag. Keep on. Just keep on coming. That's the context of the come. It's not a one-time come. Okay, hey, lady, you gave me a bag yesterday, dude. It's Nikes. You leave some room for other people's stuff? No, that's not what God is saying. That is not what he's saying. That's what the devil wants you to believe so that you keep your bag. You think you're bothering God or something. Anybody identify with what I'm saying? I know I'm a little bit crazy, but I mean every word I say, it's biblically sound as a matter of fact. I can back it up with scripture. Amen? Amen. Okay. Listen, maybe you already know. I was talking about the word hangry, where you're hungry and you're angry, and that's not a good place to be, right? But now... I want to talk to you about another word called tungry. Put that in your Ebonics library. <laughs> it's, it's called tungry because I've been experiencing tungry for the past few days. That's when you're tired and you're hungry. Amen. <laughs> when you... <laughs> 
when, when you're tired and you're hungry now, it's a little bit different than when you're angry and you're hungry, right? Because you need something else to satisfy you. You need some rest. When you're angry, you need a fight. But you need some rest. How many of you go to sleep and wake up tired? Don't lie. You go to sleep and you wake up tired. You know why? Because your body is sleeping, but your mind is not resting. Because you've got too much on your mind about the worries about what tomorrow may bring based on what's going on. Even while you sleep. Oh, this is the place where the enemy comes and plants things while you're sleeping. Because you're not as on guard in, 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 in that state where your body is at rest, but your mind is still at work. And this is when you come unto him. It's in the middle of the night. It's in those dark hours that you get up and you come to God. You get up and you say, I need rest, Lord. For I need you to rest this thing right here. And it's why we do devotion at night so that we can have the word of God right there on the edge of our brain. Because if we start to worry about what mama's doing at home and start to worry about what wifey's doing while I'm gone and start to worry about the bills that I ain't paid and the ticket that might be and the warrant and the, um, and, ex and et cetera, you will, your body will sleep, but you will not rest. We all need rest, amen? We all need to be filled, amen? Jesus satisfies both of them. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus satisfies. He satisfies both of them, amen? And if you let Jesus satisfy, you will stop letting, uh, stop stressing and let the devil keep on messing with your blessing, yeah, you, you'll stop that and our, you'll recognize that you're hungry and that you'll turn to Christ. Amen. I encourage you today to declare that I am too blessed to be distressed by this mess. Say that to your neighbor. I'm too blessed to be distressed by this mess. No matter what the mess is, remember that you're going to need it tomorrow. You're going to have to tell somebody it might just be yourself. I'm too blessed to be distressed by this mess. Hallelujah. And if that's too much for you to understand, when life starts to hit you with a little something, just remind yourself, you know what? I'm much too anointed to be disappointed, girlfriend. Hey. <laughs> I'm too anointed to be disappointed up in this place. Amen. God has a hedge of protection around my life and nothing can take it off of me. Nothing can take it off of me. This seal, this investment in me. He didn't make it flimsy that something I do can make it get disregarded. It is in the almighty, powerful blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, I'm talking to those people that are too blessed to be distressed, too anointed to be disappointed. I dare you to declare from this day forth, I will stop allowing stress to destroy my rest because I'm blessed by the best. Declare that. 
I'm going to stop allowing stress to destroy my rest because I'm blessed by the best. He is our rest. He is our peace. He is our comforter. He is our deliverer. He is our conqueror, our redeemer, our rock, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He's my lion of Judah. He's my king of kings. He's my lord of lords. He's my doctor. He's my lawyer. He's my healer. He's my way making, promise keeping, miracle working God.